Yo. Yo, yo. What it? We back. Scoop, scoop. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to talk about karma tonight. So, got a few things to say. What do you think? Uh, well, recently I just had like a weird karmic fucking almost like sabotaging thought constantly going in my head for a decision that I'm probably going to make here soon in the future, which is going to be, I'm going to try to take like a small, I guess for lack of a better term, spiritual pilgrimage to either Mexico or South America for my first uh, ayahuasca ceremony. I guess later we can get into that, but uh, in regards to karma, like since so much of what I have heard about ayahuasca from anecdotal stories and uh, like snippets and articles and even a few people I've met in person have done it. Uh, they all seem to say that they get hit pretty hard uh, with like a dose of their own reality, but you basically get to see your behaviors and actions and choices and fuck-ups from not just your view, but the view of someone else, particularly sometimes the people you hurt. And, and uh, it, I, I guess I've done a lot of fucked-up things, so like uh, the preparation mentally before going and knowing that I'm going to have this experience is like getting me really like I, I guess I said before it's like self-sabotaging in my head like with fear because uh, just totally afraid of what I'm going to be confronted with but at the same time I have this inclination to do it because I would like to better myself regardless of that uncomfortable nature that's going to occur and the psychological fucking war that's going to happen in my mind while I do it. But, uh, so the karma recently, I guess, uh, I've been thinking way too much about, like, every single action I do now. I'm very cautious because of those thoughts. And so, like, I'm thinking about karma in every action that I do. Like, like, uh, bad habit, but I smoke cigarettes. And so I walk out on the back porch every night and there's a spider and he, like, nestled a web every night every night I wanted to kill him but I, then I realized the only reason I wanted to kill him kill him is because I feared him and then and then I started fearing like if I kill him is there like a car like a karmic reaction for killing the spider on my life I'm like it's got down to such a minuscule level in regards to karma now because of my own fear of like the repercussions of what I do and how it affects other people and how it may affect my life so yeah I'm getting a little fucked up on the idea of karma. <laughs> yeah, I would say if you're questioning the uh, morality behind ending a spider's life, uh, you're, you're kind of getting pretty deep within it. But it doesn't matter. I killed that spider, so... Yeah, I, you did kill the spider. I took that potential weight off your shoulders. You it's did. fine. I relinquished you of that burden. The fear. That's my fear of the spider. That's why I wanted to kill it. Yeah, but I mean, that's pretty... The point, though... I think is that some, to, to go into such a quandary over a spider shows you just how fearful you are. Yeah, of my of myself. Of your own mind. When you think about it, I think we talked about this earlier, uh, like everything is in a selfish, a selfish nature, whether it it's noticed or not and whether it's on purpose or inadvertently like everything you're doing is trying to even if you're doing it altruistically or in good nature like if you're helping somebody most of the fucking time it's there's a selfish intention whether you want a pat on the back from your comrades or the shiny trophy or just to you know for you to feel good sometimes it's not even about helping them it's you're helping them because you want to feel good about yourself. And it's like, I feel like that's uh, fucking huge into everything right now. <laughs> and like, that's all I could think of when it comes to, like, because karma too, like, you're, you're worried about the action reaction happening, but it's the same thing because I used to overanalyze my actions for everything. And I'm like, well, am I doing this in good nature? Am I doing this altruistically? Am I doing this for the right reasons? Then I'm like, oh, everything leads back kind of 
subconsciously to a selfish reason. And it's like, oh, I do this, like, I could help him out, oh, but I, I'm doing it because I feel better that I fucking help this guy out. It's not, I can't get my first thought to be, I just want to help him out to help him out. It's like, I'll fucking feel good if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, like I had said before when we were talking about, I think that, obviously, there's an ulterior motive within most aspects of life, but that doesn't mean it's inherently bad. And just because there's a selfishness uh, involved doesn't necessarily negate the action. It doesn't mean that it, and, and you said this, it doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. I mean, you should still do it. But I think at the end of it, it's just more about like, I think it's okay to want it to benefit you in some way. But as long as your intentions are more positive than selfish, I think it's fine. Like the example I gave you is the donating to the to the kid's cardiac wing right uh so when when i donate the money to the kids for the you know for the surgery for the children and stuff yeah it makes me feel good but more so for me i give back to that program because that program saved my life it's like i guess it making me feel good is frankly an afterthought that's not my intention it inadvertently makes me feel good but it's certainly not at the forefront of my intention behind that action it's ancillary uh, to, to me doing it. I'm mostly doing it because I am grateful to be alive, and those people are the reason that I am alive. And I feel it's my obligation as a moral person, uh, or at least from my own subjectivity of the term moral, to give back to something that saved my life so that it can do an, its, due, its due diligence for others. So that's... Me feeling good is just secondary. It's it's not my motive. I, I don't think too deeply into it. Yeah, I also think I mentioned this earlier as well today at some point in our conversation. But uh, I do it also even uh, when it's not for good intentions. Like, uh, so for the example, is like someone's driving a car in front of you and they're either driving really slow or, you know... So, driving in a certain manner that pisses you off and then so you you could do something to negate the feeling of being angry at them and that is maybe convince yourself that maybe uh it's a grandma in front of you in the car but maybe it's your grandma in front of you and would you really get mad at your grandma for driving that slow in front of you your own bloodline probably not you'd understand like oh it's fucking grandma she's funny she's old it's okay. But to even start that thought of convincing yourself not to be mad at that driver in front of you stems back to something selfish. It's the fact that I don't want to get mad and ruin my day at a fucking dumb car in front of me. So I will make a beautiful story about them to make them seem okay and not an enemy in my mind. And maybe it's, you know, relatable as my grandma or maybe they're taking their kids to the hospital, whatever. But the ultimate stem of it is so I don't ruin my day by getting mad. It's like it it goes back to the selfish reason every time. Yeah. For me. (laughs) Well, maybe it's not the sole intention in every part of my intention, but it's always there. I don't think there's anything that... I can do wholeheartedly, 100% altruistically. I think there's always some underlying need to for self-satisfaction. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that could be with anybody. But I think it's with everybody. I think it's impossible almost to just do what something 100% altruistically. Just, I mean... I mean, I guess unless it's like fucking help a turtle that's flipped over or something. <laughs> you know, it's not real simple. <laughs> like, but like when yeah. it comes to complex things that are happening in life, there's usually an ulterior motive that's underlying. Well, this. yeah, I think self-preservation is just an innate setting. It's got to be. For, it's got to be. It's just, just like a survival. into the DNA. For, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a survival, survival mechanism. Yeah. But that doesn't. I don't think it makes you... In, I don't think selfishness is inherently a bad thing. Yeah, so that you know opens the question to where does ego start and where does it end mm-hmm. because if self-preservation is the key 
or the underlying factor of things is self-preservation, the cusp or the tip or the starting point for where the ego begins? Or does it not start until there's arrogance or hubris inside of that self-preservation? I don't know. Yeah. But the whole thing is to rid the ego, essentially, anyways, if you're going on the path toward self-enlightenment. And, and I think, uh, again, other than, as we've noted before, sociopathic people, psychopathic people, for the, mo- for the majority of it, like, you can sense whether something is mortal or not. And yes, there is some subjectivity and you could debate semantics on that all day. But for the most part, most of us know the difference. We can feel it. We know in our bones yeah, whether we did the right thing or not. That also goes back to everybody in this world that has a completely different moral compass. So mm-hmm. what's right to you is wrong to me, vice versa, in, well, yeah. in certain regards. So if you're judging off that, that means there is no actual moral code for everybody because every moral code is subjective to how you feel but if you're born with maybe a tumor behind your amygdala which is responsible for fear and I think anger and then what happens there then you you born a fucking angry psycho and maybe you're a murderer but it's justified in your brain right well I said most I said most yeah but Those are outliers. Like, where does it Those start are outliers. End? Like I mean, yeah, and, and and I think a more modern convention would be like a, a modern example would be more like politically, or or culturally, the differences that you would have, and the extreme, back and forth, and what you think and what I think. But for the most part, like most people can agree, murder is bad. Yeah, right? but that's, rape is bad. That's what brings in the question about spirituality. Like, uh, you have to. If there's a moral set of codes, it applies like rules, but each spirituality believes a different set of rules, and then each human, deep down inside their heart and their own mind and thinking, they have their own set of moral codes. That even if they do subscribe to a religion, they still have underlying moral codes that they keep to themselves and away from the church. Like I know even my parents growing up as devout Christians had their own set of moral codes outside the church that they would do anyways that they thought was okay and they justified that maybe the church didn't justify but so like where does it start and where does it end is is really the biggest dilemma in my head for what's right and what's wrong and what will have a karmic reaction or a bad reaction and it's like or do you go to the fucking polar opposite and say does any of it fucking matter how you behave or is there an excuse for everything a mental disorder, a fucking bad day, uh, what, not enough sleep, dehydrated, something made you do something. Is there an excuse for everything? Or does any of it matter? Or is everyone's moral code like subjective to what happens to them after they die? Or if you want to just go the full atheist, just nothing happens when you die. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all, all of those are certainly applicable because it is subjective to an extent. But, again, you know, I'm not saying that there is a, a, a complete objective view of the world that people should follow. I'm saying that within reason, within reason, again, other than like religious extremism or fucking rapist murderers, most of us can sort of like know that if we fucking rape somebody, it was wrong. Most okay, of so us. there is probably about ten, like the Ten Commandments, ten things that everyone would probably agree on that we shouldn't do. But everything after that is up for debate. I mean, sure. Which I guess that's why we have fucking politics and government and rules and laws. It's like that's all up for debate and constantly changing and being overruled and voted on. But I don't want to get into the politics of it. That's just an example. But I want to get towards the spiritual side of it and what me and you think about like what happens and the consequences in either this life and or the afterlife. Right. So what do you think? Your personal opinion on does karma really play a role in our lives? And does the consequences of your actions, will they be accounted for in the afterlife? Okay, so sort of yes and no. Um, Obviously, I can't necessarily, no one can necessarily say anything about an afterlife. We don't know. And I think... Your guess. Right. Um... My guess, I don't think the afterlife is anything even remotely what we perceive it to be, something judged on, on good and bad. 
necessarily. Um, I think we're just fucking uh, smatterings of energy that have evolved over millions and billions of years. And this is our time to shine. And then we'll fade out. And somehow that energy may be recycled, you know, in some way. But what I do think... Hold on, before you continue there, you don't think it's odd that... But, so, like, I understand evolution and everything. And, yeah, of course we did evolve and come probably, I guess, even from stardust, if you go back as far as you can go, because everything on life is formed from carbon. So that's we get the carbon on the Earth probably from stardust. But you don't think that somewhere in time they figured out about an afterlife because all these civilizations, the ancient ones across the world all had similar theories without ever meeting each other and a lot of it had to do with the balance of life with good and evil and especially what happens after death yes mm -hmm. i mean the egyptians jesus they they spent the majority of their lives preparing for death <laughs> as if it was more important than this life so i mean If, if we just evolved from little energy and there's no purpose, then... Okay, so but the second part to my answer was this. Um, you know, obviously... Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm just going to say I'm just gonna say I'm undecided. Um, yeah, I can't know. I mean, yeah, sure, I can give you my best guess. I think that... I don't think that, to, to go off topic a little bit, I don't think we're alone in the universe. I think the likelihood that there is life elsewhere is very high. You know, the probability that we're... Because I'm just going to look at probability. I can't look at, you know, because somebody believed something thousands of years ago, that doesn't that doesn't imply that it's it's true or probable because the, major, the majority of people think a lot of shit that I think is fucking dumb. So that really has no bearing on my thought. I'm, Fair play. Yeah, I, I really don't... I mean, the majority uh, of our country believes... You know, there's a fucking man in a white robe and a white beard that sits at a... I, I think that's fucking nonsense. Like, no, I don't think that... The likelihood that that's the afterlife... He's and that's also real, white. And he's white somehow. <laughs> like, that, just dude, no. Fuck no. For sure. Um, I think, yeah, there's probably some kind of force. Again, I subscribe more to the thought that it's some concept of energy. You know, it's like it's a mass of energy. So it's sort of a scientific, uh, spiritual hybrid in a way. Um, I guess you would have explained that to me had I not interrupted you. Yeah, it's okay. But I think, uh, I think it's not necessarily that I uh, agree that there's some sort of afterlife. I think there is a karmic reaction to, to your decisions. And there is a heaven and, and there is a hell. And it's very much the life you live here every day on earth. This is the life, the only life that you know. You may know another life after this. We can't we know that. We known a life before this. We may too. have too. But this is the only life we know as of now. Yeah. And what I can say is the decisions that you make and the things you've done that you know subjectively in your heart and in your mind that were wrong, again, subjectively, you felt shitty about it. That's punishment enough. The guilt you feel often is far worse than any punishment that's doled out on you. The things you've done, whatever they may be... But what about people who don't feel guilt? Again, like those are outliers. I can't... Yeah, but, what, uh, the, the, but you're laying down a set of rules of what you think happened to us, but what about the outliers? What happens to them? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's like a... a see, no, no, no. no. Well, I'm just curious as to yeah. what you think. Well, no, you I don't what think... Your, your personal opinion is you think our punishment <laughs> is having to deal with that guilt. But what do you think the punishment I don't would think be that there, Well, else? I don't think everything... Despite the, the fact that this is about karma, I don't think that everything and everyone faces consequence. I think sometimes the bad guys win, and sometimes sometimes good people. Sometimes you know, sometimes uh, like the guy I told you about, uh, uh, that uh, Byron, who's a friend of our family. You know, the guy was twenty three years old. Uh, he was just getting started in life. He's a young man. Um, just found out his girlfriend was pregnant, and he got hit by a fucking truck and died. He was twenty three. I mean, I'm really not going to give you some kind of karmic thing he did bad that, yeah. that was deserving. Sometimes shit just happens. What I'm saying is when the context and the confines of life itself, as we know it, I'm not talking about like the karmic reaction of what will happen in the afterlife if you do something here or now. I don't fucking know. Yeah, Your guess is like, as good as mine. I mean, that could bring up the point, like, in the afterlife, but the before life, like what the skip or some... 
outlandish theory could say, like, maybe in his previous life he did some shitty stuff now sure uh it's certainly possible it's certainly possible if there are prior lives that in his prior life he did something yeah i'm not saying that he did i don't yeah i I, you know you know accuse a dead person (laughs) right right. i I don't know (laughs) i don't know uh not to disparage him he was a good guy but it's like i don't fucking know but what i'm talking about is karma within a more um rationale rational psychological manner right like I don't mean karma. I know you're you're looking at it more from a spiritual perspective. I look at it more from a psychological, a psychiatric perspective. So you're saying that the karmic the karmic retributions are induced by yourself through your own realizations of what you did wrong and yes. you're torturing yourself psychologically yes. and, and that's your consequence. Yeah. Okay. That's your guilt. Like whatever you've done bad in your life whatever those moments may be, that you are particularly ashamed of or you regret, you feel guilty about, the guilt that you carry, and, you, you know, you saying yourself going, the desire to go do ayahuasca and to have these, frankly, nightmarish thoughts face you head on is fucking terrifying. Well, why do you think that is? It's because you have things that you fear innately. The things that you've done, those are coming to the surface. You did them. Yeah. It's the realization and, and the manifestation of your actions. That is the karmic uh, reaction to your actions, right? Now, if you live, like, for example, I told you this, you know, not to, to fucking be all high and mighty, but, you know, I've righted almost every wrong I've ever done in my life at a particularly young age. So, like, I've, I've just gone through and just pretty much purified. I've said this, it sounds like some fucking crazy religious zealous shit but like i feel like oh, it the, sounds like my name is earl my name is earl dude i loved my name is earl that show was fucking dope yeah that was good it was a good show but really it's like i i tried to do that and i think that your goal in life should to be pure should be to be pure but i don't i don't mean that in like a fucking crazy religious uh genocidal way yeah. i mean that in in a in an introspective way so like for me a lot of the things that I felt bad about, I told you before, when you when you went to China, I was a fucking completely arrogant piece of shit. I was narcissistic, hedonistic, self-indulgent. Uh, I was a fucking grandstanding asshole. And then, you know, life humbled me. Almost died a couple times. Had a rough couple fucking years. I, I was at my fucking knees and had nothing. You know, I, I had, didn't have my health anymore. Didn't have my fucking sanity. Had to second guess and question everything and start from nothing and you know psychologically physically and that allowed me to it humbled the fuck out of me and so i've just completely erased for the most part that facet of myself and i'm content i'm happy with the person i've become i've become a more compassionate person i'm i'm not that person anymore i have no interest in and i've told you this numerous times the thought of being that person or people who remind me of the person I was fucking disgust me, you know? So I feel good. I feel no guilt. When I lay my head down, I don't feel bad. I don't feel shame. I don't feel guilt. I don't feel anything negative. I just lay my head down and go to sleep and I feel good. And I feel content that if I died tomorrow, I would have lived a a really great life and I'm happy with it. And I think that that's anybody's goal. And whether there's an afterlife or whether there, there isn't is largely irrelevant. I think people, the problem is that people live their entire lives based on the notion of what could be. It doesn't really matter. It's what is that matters. And you should do it because it makes you feel good. And you shouldn't do something because it makes you feel bad. Yes, there are psychopaths. Yes, there's the Jeffrey Dahmers. And no, I can't account for them. And I can't fucking say that they face some kind of justice or this or that or the other. You know, uh, Dahmer dying in fucking prison really is not... Uh, justification for the things he's done. It's not even fucking close, you know, or Bundy or anybody like that. I I can't justify it. But what I can say as a rational thinking uh, person who feels and and fucking regrets things, that's how I live my life. I don't want to do something that's going to make me feel bad or, and yeah, maybe that's selfish, but I don't think it necessarily matters because ultimately if it puts good in the world, doesn't really fucking matter you know yeah it should come from a come from a good place but i think once you start to and this isn't just my own personal experience once you start to change the tune of your life and 
you just purify your body of these toxins and of this negativity and this toxicity, this poisonous behavior, you'll find that you're just a happier person and you really do do good things just for the sake of it. I can honestly say that. Like the heart thing with the kids. I, I really don't think about how it makes me feel. It, if I th- sat and did intentionally think specifically about how I felt for donating fucking money to like some kid's cardiac wing, yeah, I'd be like, wow, I feel a little good. But it, it's just so far from my mind. I don't care. I largely care about what they did for me. And I think about how, as I told you before we started recording, I'm only alive because of the expertise of these people. And I was fortunate enough to have the insurance to do it. And that there are so many families who have children out there who need this surgery, uh, who can't afford it, who have nothing, and will spend the rest of their fucking lives paying that debt, you know? And I don't think any family should have to go through that. So it, it, I, I just don't care about how it impacts me personally. I just want the world to be a better place. And I find that once you start to rid yourself of these negative things, it, it's really more of a natural thought. An inclination to just do good for the sake of good. So, yeah, I think I think it's just more circumstantial on depending upon where you're at in your life. Yeah, I I guess I understand that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm probably still gonna struggle with it regardless. Still thinking about it like arbitrarily in my mind. I mean, we all I guess like you and myself have our own justifications as to what it all means and why it means that. But uh, I don't know, dude. The thought of ayahuasca just really terrifies me and enthralls me and entices me all at the same time. Because, like, I feel like deep down at the essence of my being, there's something calling for the ayahuasca as if it's like, through the blood of the ancestors seeping into my consciousness because it's been on this earth for so long, thousands of years, all the way back to like the indigenous people. And it's just always been so profound and meaningful to these people and these societies that used it as a spiritual guide. And I feel like it's just one of the most privileged coolest things to be able to experience in this world like i mean i guess a lot of people like i've traveled all over i've been halfway or all the way across the world no i mean not everywhere but i mean when you think about the globe and its shape and how it is i've been pretty much all the way around it going from america to china and this still like puts the pedal to the metal for things of like being able to experience life and something so profound but at the same time so fucking terrifying because yeah we do justify everything and maybe we do get the punishment whether it's uh thrown to you through a karmic circle or whether it's the guilt inside of you that you feel for yourself or a psychological torment or it's justified and you feel nothing I know that there's going to be a lot of things that I certainly feel because, I don't know, I feel like um, when you think about it in your everyday problem-solving state of consciousness, that you only hit surface levels for what you truly feel and what you remember exactly about the story and what you remember about the feelings of other people and how you experience them I think on the ayahuasca from what I've heard it's gonna really hit you in the face and bring it to you as something so much more powerful than just surface level feelings of guilt or something it's gonna be like very in your face to where the point that it's so heavy that you will probably I guess I I wanted to say have like slight PTSD from the experience that like you psychologically wire yourself to change your behaviors but I think other people would would word that more gracefully rather than slight PTSD but uh, I feel like that's at its core what ayahuasca is doing to you it's just like 
fuck. I don't know what it is that communicates with you, though. That's the strangest thing, man. There's so many theories that it's like Mother Ayahuasca is like a, you know, a shaman goddess, or it's it's you as God, and God is everybody in, in little pieces and fragments, or it's your personal spiritual guider, or as more, you know, secular, you would say, guardian angel. But I guess maybe it's all the same thing, and everyone has a different name for it. That's what fucks me up, is... Man, everybody today has their own goddamn version of what everything means, and it goes all the way from Judaism to physics to theoretical physics to aliens to whatever and what have you. And it's like, but nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about, and everyone's trying to sell you salvation when it's supposed to be the one thing in life that's fucking free. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, what the fuck, man? That's why I, I don't know what I could trust. But even the ayahuasca, man, I had a long threaded discussion on the internet today with a lot of people, and it's like, it's, it's becoming super commercialized from like people who have had like ceremonies for like a year to a couple years, and then they think they're fucking shamans. <laughs> and they're like, hey, man, fucking. Give me a couple thousand dollars. I'll give you overhead and some food, and you come drink this shit down here. I'll put something, you know, I'll put a playlist on my laptop. <laughs> like, like, what do you think they play? Dude, probably some fucking Coachella shit. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it wouldn't fucking surprise me. There's probably some fucking dumbass California kids down there, like, bro, I fucking, I'm God. You're God. And, you know, I'm going to take my dad's money. I'm going to start a retreat down here. And, you know, like, Mother Ayahuasca told me that I'm a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, there's got to be some fucking people down there that just went batshit crazy on the drug and just did some weird shit or tried to commercialize it or realize that what a profound... Maybe there's some... I'm sure there's also, like, great people that did it. It, it healed them. It gave them perspective, and they want to help other people too, and they're starting retreats. But this, but the way I see it, it's getting more and more expensive. I guess, you know, people want to do it in nicer and nicer places, and more and more and more safe and clean environments, and provide better facilities, so they have more overhead, so they charge you more. But man, when you go back to the roots, it's just a fucking dude in the jungle, man, brewing some shit but together. It's just I think a, some root bark and. It, as interesting as it all is, and I would say it's probably very effective, I don't know. You would know a lot more about it than me, but I, I feel like everybody has their own, uh, you know, I guess, coming to terms moment, you know, or, or that self-realization, self-actualization, which is sort of like the fucking uh, ultimate goal, I feel, uh, for your for your own humanity as an individual. So for me... Like, it was, you know, almost fucking dying twice. That was enough for me. Like, that did everything I could have ever... That doesn't mean I don't have room to grow. It doesn't mean I don't have room to learn. But those... That did everything for me. For me to, to right the wrongs I had could still improve. But though that really forced me to look at myself. Well, I mean, I understand that because also what I've heard people say is to relate it. I guess to something, man, it's like, uh, ayahuasca ceremony, I've, I've heard been described as like a, a fucking, basically a near-death experience in your mind, or a purgatory, or limbo, or like, uh, what do you, the other side, the middle, and it's like, I mean, that's kind of what you did. You fucking had heart surgery with a huge chance of dying, and you're faced with knowing this going into an operating table, thinking it might be the last time you fucking close your eyes. I'm sure you had some pretty profound thoughts and epiphanies and spiritual insights about yourself and your life and everything doing that, which is exactly what I'm seeking. I just don't want to get a fucking open heart surgery. Yeah. No, I would, <laughs> I would definitely pick your route. And see, I think that's the thing about it. I think it's interesting. Like, I commend anybody doing it. I think, like, anybody who's willing, I don't care what fucking method you take, within 
reason. Yeah. You know, don't fucking murder somebody. But again, every, if I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I fuck a kid, dude, I just fucking feel so spiritually enlightened. <laughs> dude, that's definitely what Mike would say. That's fucking Mike. You know he would fucking do some shit. Well, I don't know. He, you know, he wouldn't fuck a kid, but that's definitely his uh, sense of humor. <laughs> his sense of humor. That's his forte. That's fucking... uh, but fuck. no, I think it's more about like. Whatever brings you to that point, and yeah, for that, for me, it was that. It was that, and the and the shit, you know, the uh, cardiac tamponade shit that happened later. Um, definitely, those moments, like I just, it was so close, so fucking close twice, particularly the second time that I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is nothing to fuck with, and I just spent so much time, and especially because I was physically incapable for a long time of doing a lot because it was so bad. I was so bad off. I was so sick that I just spent so much time analyzing. And that's when I was finished writing the the book, too. Um, I spent so much time between finishing that, writing that, and in my own head, in all the medical stuff, I spent all my time introspectively. And that, you know, 90% of my day was just in my head. You know, Libby was at work all day. Like, I, you know... Most everybody I know is sort of scattered about, so I'm just sort of here by myself, and uh, holy shit, like, I wasn't distracted by, you know, I was, I'm with Libby, so, like, I wasn't distracted by women, I wasn't distracted by having a buddy around all the fucking time, I wasn't, there were no distractions, it was just me and my mind, and there is just nothing more fucking terrifying, and I think that's why ayahuasca is so terrifying, because it's you in your mind, but the true fucking essence of your mind. Yeah, man, I, I've heard some really crazy stories. Like, uh, I've had one person tell me that they experienced what they thought was like an afterlife if you never, uh, basically, if you never, like, tried to right your wrongs or if you never accepted them as wrongs. And it was like a very hellish nightmare that they were describing. I've also heard many people describe like spiritual snakes talking to them which is super crazy because i have so many dreams about snakes and they've been happening for so long consecutively and all of them are different it's never the same snake it's never the same situation it's never the same anything and sometimes i get bit sometimes i kill the snake sometimes they're after me sometimes they're just there one time i've even had a dream where I was in India and a bus just came by in a cul-de-sac and threw out a bag of dead snakes at me. Dude, I can't, <laughs> I feel like it, it can't be particularly psychologically healthy to think about snakes so much. I don't even think level. about them no, I mean the, to dream yeah, about them. Yeah, to dream, it's, it's gotta be somewhere to, under the iceberg, dude, or under the water. Yeah, I like that's, I can tell you confidently, I fucking never dream about snakes, ever. Before, I don't even have bad dreams. I don't have negative dreams. Before that, I had a lot about crocodiles, which was weird. That lasted for a few years, too. And then from the crocodiles, it evolved to snakes. But, um, yeah, I've had some really crazy stories. But, dude, let me tell you one story. This is outside of uh, Ayahuasca, and we're going into the fucking realm of LSD. I think you've heard this story before, but maybe the listeners would find this one fucking crazy because let me just preface by saying I was in China and I took pretty much equivalent to like almost eight hits of LSD pretty powerful stuff and then I had a night that just entailed fucking complete madness and like when I say madness like I had done acid before that I would, I mean, I'd say anywhere between 30 to 50 times. So I, I would say I was well suited for the journey and well mentally prepared. But this one just took me off guard and took me so far into either a spiritual world or my own unconscious mind so far that I, at times, just couldn't accept that it was happening because. I didn't think the human brain can go that far or maybe for lack of a better term trip that hard the things I was seeing manifest and happen and what I was thinking inside my mind of what I was capable of and doing was just fucking like superhuman shit and like I thought I met like a god 
who I just kept questioning, like through like like this weird thought talk where I thought I was communicating with him telepathically, and like it, but wasn't using words. It was just like using like mental space of ideas, <laughs> like that just passed, or maybe I was just fucking having a thought and I was so fucking tripped out that I <laughs> imagined it to be something super <laughs> profound. But anyways, like, this god is there, and I was, like, trying to subscribe, or, uh, I guess send the message of how the fuck do you handle everything, and, like, how, why is there so much, like, evil in this world, and why do you not care, like, if, like, people die at a young age, what is this, like, I'm, like, trying to, like, convey, like, the big question is, like, what's the fucking meaning, and it's, like, why don't you do anything, why is it never, like, expelled to us? that you exist and it basically just sh like this blue ball was just there it's like when I, when people say they trip and they see things i get it like because i've done acid so much like the trees breathe colors change shape shift you know things but like at this point i was just seeing shit that just it was like what a Hollywood movie would express as an acid trip. It's always a little bit over the top. You don't, you know, like fucking pink elephants or whatever. But like, I literally, at this point, there was just a, a ball. And then all these chords came out of it. And I got the message in my head that all those chords were like circuits that were supposed to go out and attach to everybody's brain in the entire world. And all of their energy was all formed from this blue ball which was in the control of a certain god or goddess i don't know if there was a, a sex but um and so then i got like the message in my head it's like you try controlling all of this and from that point dude i thought i was experiencing other people's lives one by one and it started all the way from the lowest evil into like the fucking greatest part on earth so right when I start thinking of this I start thinking I'm like um, like a young boy in Africa and I could like see myself in this like fenced in area and I knew that I was like I looked down it was like dirt and like this is I could I can't remember like if this was just in my mind or if I'm actually seeing this or but it was so much that I remembered it now as like a vision that was in front of my eyes but so I like I knew there was something bad inside of wherever that was it whether it was a house or a hut or whatever it was inside it was horrible like agonizingly horrible and then the people that I'm with which is another guy and a Chinese girl they say they want to go to the roof so we get in the elevator of, and we go to like the 30th floor. So now we're on the fucking rooftop of a fucking skyscraper in the middle of this fucking huge city in China. So like everywhere you look, it's, it's fucking like 10 times the size of New York City. It's got like over 15 million people. I'm pretty sure New York City has like 8 million. It's fucking huge. And so we're up there. But on the ride up in the elevator, this other Chinese couple gets in. So is this in the trip yeah this is in the trip like right after i experienced like the i think what i was in africa no was this physically happening or was this like no it was physically a guy and a girl get in and they look like husband and wife they're in maybe in their 30s and then the girl just looks at me and then i don't know what expression i did on my face but she looks up at her husband and just gets terrified she starts smashing the fucking open button repeatedly on the elevator and then hands her purse to her husband and just keeps fucking smashing that button. <clears throat> and then now I'm fucking freaking out. I'm like, why the fuck do they want to get... And then there's another dude with me and the Chinese girl. And I'm like, why the fuck do they want to get out? Like, because I looked at this girl. She looked at me and then just starts fucking smashing the button. So I'm like, I did something. Fuck. And like that tripping that hard. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, and then so <clears throat> they get out. We get to the roof. And we go up to the roof. No one says shit when we get up there. And all of a sudden my mind goes into another world where I am a sex trafficking kingpin and like the Chinese girl walks the corner of the rooftop and this shadow just casts over her 
and I see her as like one of the victims that I had kidnapped. And then I look over to the guy that's with me, and he just like as soon as I look at him, he like looks down at his toes like subserviently. And so in my mind, I think I'm like this fucking evil kingpin, and like he's like my accomplice, but he's probably not doing it by choice. He's probably forced into it somehow. And then obviously the girl's all fucked up. And then like my brain just went fucking crazy from there. Eventually, I don't know what happened. We go back downstairs. I think maybe I made some comments about... Uh, someone made some comments. It might have been me. It might have been the girl. Maybe that's what triggered it. Someone said something about... They think... The people in the elevator think that we kidnapped her. We should probably go back to the apartment. I don't know if it was me or someone else who said it. My memory's not straight on it. But someone says something like that. And we're like, fuck, maybe that is why they were scared. Maybe they thought we kidnapped her. Uh, for some odd weird reason. Oh, the girl that you were with. Yeah. I don't know why that would be a scenario that someone would think when we're just standing in the elevator. But, um, yeah, so we go out to the apartment. And as soon as I close the door, dude, snakes. Fucking snakes. Dozens and dozens and dozens of snakes start slithering through the cracks in the door. And I'm like, fuck, this can't be real. And the, but they, cause and then I realize it's not real, cause as they slither out, about once half their body came through, they started slithering back the other way out of it, but like slithering backwards, not turning around. It was like slithering in, slipping back, in, or slithering out, slipping back in, slithering like in a weird wave motion coming in and out and in and out. And I was like, what the fuck? Then I started going through all these lifelines in my head. And then I, but I kept getting a circle in my brain. Instead of like, I was trying to think of the trajectory of life as a straight linear line and I just kept getting a circle for some reason. Like this life just kept fucking reincarnating, but I was reincarnating through different souls. I've, I got through so many lives and like fucking black people, rednecks on the beach, all the way to the end where I was a Japanese guy who owned a yacht or so I thought. And I wanted to kill myself in my 40s because I felt like I had nothing left to achieve and there was nothing else meaningful on this earth because I went from all the way from the shittiest level human being on this earth, shit fuck evil, to the good, the best, the greatest life you can have on this earth, the most money. And I felt like I experienced... Yeah, but what about him morally? I mean, that's only... I don't know. This is what I experienced. Like, And this was all because of like me asking God what any of it means but the moral of the story is it was basically just about the fucking balance that nastiest fucking dirtiest life that you could have a, a sex trafficking kingpin fucking human trafficking has to exist for that person to have that beautiful life in that yacht on the ocean with no worries in the world of anything ever happening to him like, those two have to have a balance. And everywhere else in the middle is that there's balancing from people all over the world. And those were those circuits that were connecting to the blue ball. And that's what I got to experience when he presented me that blue ball and the circuits that connected everybody. It was a universal consciousness, but it was spread out into fragments to bring the balance of good and evil. And the only way that we are able to experience any of that with the good and evil and love and fear and all of this is because of the concept of time once i felt like after this human life there is no concept of time it's almost like you're a breath of eternity and you're just i guess somehow in the ether of space but we broke down into like some weird molecular level that it gets to experience time and that is where you also get to experience good and evil and how it happens, I don't know. Maybe it's a roll of the fucking dice, whether you get born as a fucking kid who's child trafficked, or you get born as the child of the person who lives on a yacht. I yeah, I mean, that could be know. chance. That could be some previous life shit. It could be karmic retribution. Who knows? <laughs> I think that's the thing. I think that... I don't know. I mean, that... Anyway, that's fucking bananas. Jesus, fuck. Dude, that's no. a hell of a trip dude not only that here a little nitbit about the end I was traveling so hard and for so long that at the end of it I went through so many lives that I was afraid I wasn't going to get back to me right here my life like I thought 
<clears throat> I had somehow escaped time itself from my personal Bradley's life, and I escaped it into basically the stardust or whatever fucking thing I was in that basically I guess you can get casted into any other timeline or the multiverse or whatever it fucking was and I was afraid I was going to end up in one of those other timelines that I had experienced and I was super afraid that I was going to end up in one of those evil ones and I was, or like one of, like there was other things I had a lot of thoughts about on the acid like fucking torturous thoughts like of torture and shit that I thought maybe I might land in one of those like that's happening all over the earth and I was so afraid and I realized that the balance of everything I thought of that night was my specific life as Bradley. I was just about to ask that because yeah. I, I was my next point was I remember a couple of days a few days ago you were talking about how your life as it is right now is almost the exact point of average. Yeah. Between those things. I mean, it's super adventurous. It's great because I get to travel and see the world, and I have great friends and great memories, but. I'm totally average on everything else. Like, I'm not a fucking spectacular sports star, but I'm athletic. I mean, I'm not poor, but I'm not rich. I mean, everything else about my life is just totally average, but it, I guess, I, I mean, I think I have a few perks, which are cool, but I think in the broad spectrum of, like, the good and evil that I got to experience, my specific life is just right in the middle the balance of everything but maybe maybe not maybe. maybe you got maybe if there's like a shared existence thing maybe you got to see the lives you had lived and the life you will one day live that's that's assuming that my life just gets better and better with each turn and not it's, yeah. it's not miscellaneous true yeah. but I feel like that would be the that would be like a like working your way up the caste system. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't see why it wouldn't because based on the trajectory of your life now and your desire, the fact that you're willing to go and be incredibly uncomfortable and go through this experience, ayahuasca, just to seek those answers tells me that you have a, a pretty passionate, burning desire to be better. Well, now, whether or not you execute it, I mean, that's up to you, but you clearly desire it. Yeah, I think it's... Not even necessarily to be better. It's just to ensure that I don't hurt anybody else's life. Like, I, and I can only try to help other people's lives. Like, myself, I'll always get by. I think I'll always have fond memories and I'll make do with whatever I do. But I really just want to make sure that I'm not hurting anybody else. Whether it be through lying or cheating or, or whatever, you know. Like, or just being a... A dick without realizing it I don't know or maybe there's more ways I could help other people in this world that I haven't thought of that maybe are deep down I think that's the place you'll eventually be I've said this before I think that yeah your goal right now in the interim is I don't want to hurt people but then when and if you get to a place where you have stopped hurting people or you don't fear hurting people anymore you'll get to a point of contentment and then after that, you'll want to figure out how you can help people. Actively. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I I think ayahuasca would be a perfect way to try to at least get me on the path of being there because I think it's just like one of those <laughs> fucking spiritual journeys that will really set you in line for what maybe maybe your own, maybe your purpose. Well, I think the funniest part about this, like, I wonder if the listener will take this away. So listen to this for nearly 54 minutes. And the biggest takeaway from this is if you play your fucking cards right, you do everything right, and you really aspire to be your best self, you could be a suicidal Japanese man in your 40s. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's your best fucking life. Yeah. That's your best life. That is... You're about to jump off your fucking 8000 or $8,000,000 fucking yacht. And drown your fucking self in the ocean. That's your best life. That is, man. You better dream big, kids. Fuck. Maybe there's a balance in everything else, too. Maybe because his life was so good, there has to be a balance of, like, having no hope. But maybe the kid who's getting tortured has more hope than anybody else in the world. And maybe just that feeling of hope 
is a balance in itself. Because that was the last thing left in Pandora's box. Oh, that's true. God of War 3. It's one of my favorite Vigi games. See that box back there? That's Pandora's box. Yeah, there's hope in that. Dude, that's like the whole plot of the game. It's like, you think there's all these superpowers. It turns out it's just hope. Spoilers for a fucking nine-year-old game. But it's just just hope. That's it. Yeah. I thought that was a dope uh, thread line. A lot of people did not like that plot point. So maybe, really, the best thing in life you could have is hope. Is really what it is. I, I mean, know. I feel like it's it's absolutely crucial. Yeah, hope. Uh, if you don't have it, then what what are you aspiring toward? Yeah, so I think the good and evil is fear, which is evil, and then love, which is good, and then hope and no hope. I guess unless you could think of a cool acronym for hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I, d- I don't know. I don't think we necessarily... Um, came to any kind of resolution on the concept of karma just a bunch of abstract theories with yeah laced in stories i'm pretty sure <laughs> the listener bullshit. learned absolutely nothing throughout this entire venture but um hopefully, that's okay hopefully it was interesting but it's know, interesting yeah. that's the thing and yeah. i mean that's really the whole the thing is that I, I don't think there are answers also whenever i come back from my ayahuasca journey i'll be sure to come back up on here and he can update a new podcast if you're interested in hearing the result of what happened to me <laughs> Ooh, yeah definitely i definitely want to record the fucking sequel to this yeah i want to see i want to see where you come out because uh, you know i think it's not i wouldn't say we have two different perspectives but I think you definitely view it in a more spiritual sense. I view it in a more pragmatic sense. Yeah, I, I think and, logical, yeah. and and for for me, I feel I have largely gotten to that place in my life through through my own version yeah. of ayahuasca. And you know, talking about selfishness, selflessness and and good for goodness sake, I I genuinely, you know, I'm no fucking martyr, but like I I genuinely feel that way. I genuinely feel in my heart just to do good just because i think it's just wired it's just rewired i've just fucking un i've completely ripped out the wires of of what i used to be and the bad things i've that i represented and who i was as a person and just completely retooled myself out of largely necessity yeah you know during those fucking rigorous times but and i think you know not to sound condescending obviously but i think you're still in the midst of that you're like on the fucking precipice of that yeah you know? it's certainly there's nothing condescending about that i certainly feel in that way that's why i'm seeking out the journey yeah, yeah. which I, again i think is admiral in and of itself most people it's i've said this so many times most people passionately shy away they fucking will do anything to burrow away to stay fucked up on you know fucking xanax and getting drunk all fucking day and this that and the other Whatever, jerking off, video games, what the fuck ever it may be. So many people want to hide from what's inside, you know. And the fact that you got enough fucking nuts to go that far, that deep, inside your own fucking brain to figure out who you are and get to the root of of you is, uh, that's some bold shit. So. Uh, We'll see if it works out. I don't know. Uh, I fucking hope so. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I'm not going in there with any specific expectation. I'm rather just going in there with an open mind. Dude, what if you become one of those shamans? I don't want to be... Unless there was, like, some weird spiritual calling for it that was super in my face and undeniable. I don't think I want to... That's... I feel should be left to the indigenous people. That is... Like, not to be commercialized and taken over by people trying to make a buck or two. White people. <laughs> yeah, white people <laughs> fucking it up, dude. <laughs> fucking white people, always culture vulturing. Yeah, dude. They are, dude. So unless, like, a shaman themselves invited me or I could find some volunteer work or something that would help them, I'm not going to try to be some fucking guru. I'm only looking to fucking just be a better person. I'm not looking to fucking start a cult. 
<laughs> I wonder what kind of cult leader you would be. It'd be a fucked up one. It'd be some weird sex cult, dude. <laughs> so mostly it would just be an excuse to have big ass orgies all the time? Yeah, I'd basically just steal people's wives. No, I'm not joking. That's what every fucking cult does. They bring families in. And then they basically convince the family, like, I'm everybody's wife is also my wife. So, like, the cult leader basically fucks everyone's wife and has an excuse to do it. I mean... Is that still common? That's If you look at any cult, man, there's a lot of cult documentaries online. And almost all of them are paralleled in that aspect. The fucking cult leader basically tries to take possession and be able to fuck any... And sometimes including the daughters as well. This is why prostitution needs to be legalized. Yeah, because you get these people, these fucked up, like, weird, like, physiological <laughs> urges that they can't fucking control. So then they start going psychological on other people to get what they want. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> fucked up. Alright, I think we're gonna end it there. Godspeed. Alright. See you next time. <laughs>